0: Welcome to Two Countries, One Crime, with your hosts, Caitlin and BB.
1: But I do have an icebreaker question for you first. Hit me. Okay. If you were a cocktail, what cocktail would you be? You have your thinking face on.
0: And that is because I'm still copying and pasting my notes. <laughs> my answer. <laughs> My answer is I would be a dirty martini
1: Uh, and not
0: just because I love, well, actually maybe that's not a good answer because my only reasoning is I love them and I feel like as a person I'm an olive, I'm round and salty. You're not round at all. (laughs) You look good in green, though. You're wearing olive green yeah, right now. Look at me. I'm an olive. That's my favorite color. Yeah, okay, so I'm a dirty martini because I, I'm an olive. I'm a human olive and um, uh, a gin, though, specifically not vodka. Um, Agreed. Why? Because I'm stodgy. I am uptight Um, and classy. I don't I think like any, most people will not agree that gin is classy, but... I say it is.
1: I was going to say, I don't agree that you're
0: uptight. <laughs> oh my God. Are you kidding? I'm so anal retentive.
1: <laughs> I'm such a Virgo.
0: That's
1: true. Um, oh my God. The other day I sent Davis um, this like Instagram thing that showed like every serial killer and their sign. And it was like oh yeah, overwhelmingly <laughs> all
0: Virgos. Yeah. There's a lot of Virgos, a lot of Geminis. A lot of But Geminis. yeah, we're, we're really represented. I saw that and I saw that Paul Bernardo was a Virgo and I was yes. like, <laughs> I was like, damn it.
1: I don't think there was a single Libra on that list.
0: There were no Scorpios, no Tauruses. And that's all I remember. But maybe a couple Libras. But I feel like it was a mostly Virgos Geminis. Yeah. Cause we crazy. Couple of of feelings. Oh, and a lot of Pisces, yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. The Pisces were strong. Predictable. (sighs) which is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I would be a dirty martini um, for all those reasons. What about you?
1: I don't know. As much as this was my question for you today, I was like, what would I be? Cause like, it's so hard to differentiate between the cocktails I like mm-hmm. and what I would be. Well, I I, mm, I don't think I'd be anything minty cause I don't think I'm that refreshing. Hmm. Okay. Maybe something spicy. Like I'm a little spicy.
0: Like a jalapeno margarita?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: but that's almost like too, it's it's like, maybe not a margarita, because margarita screams party, and I don't think I'm a party girl necessarily. I'm just, I'm very subtle and spicy.
0: Okay, I don't know enough about cocktails to say one that's subtle, but maybe you're like a Moscow mule? That's spicy.
1: Ooh, I like that. Okay, yeah, a Moscow, maybe with like a spicy rim around the glass or something. Oh, fun. Yeah, But you know
0: what also comes to mind, and I hope that you take this the right way. I could see you as an espresso martini. I've never had one. I've never had one either. I think when they're made well, they're really good. Like, I know people like them, but, like, not when you go to Applebee's, when you go to, like, a cocktail (laughs) place. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my God. espresso espresso
1: martini Martini from Applebee's? Oh, my God. Like, that sounds like... I don't know like a temporary you know cure for your IBS if you needed one <laughs> like I just that sounds so disgusting
0: it reminds me of when I was in college there was a TGI Fridays near campus and uh I mean sometimes that was like treat yourself it was like go to TGI Fridays get some pasta get a mudslide or something disgusting you know <laughs> Oh, that was the worst restaurant. Oh, my God. Like, even among TGI Fridays, it was really bad. Like, everyone who worked there just hated everything. And um, it was so depressing. Like, most of Foggy Bottom. Shout out. Foggy Bottom. Also, just that name alone is great. I know, right? It's so hilarious.
1: But you know what? I kind
0: of dig the espresso martini just because,
1: like, yeah, like, I have a lot of, I tend to have a lot of energy. Like, I tend to, like, you know, zippity-doo, like...
0: It feels classy and, like, smooth and jazzy and dark like your hair. I don't know. Ooh. I don't know. I, I do see, have espresso this hair. You. Oh
1: my God, you know what? I'll go with it. Yeah. With it. Okay. <laughs> this question will be relevant in my story as well. Okay. Later on.
0: <laughs> okay. Wait. The cocktail question? Yes. You'll Does see. Really- <laughs> Wait does everyone in your cult have to pick a cocktail that they are no (laughs) is everyone hold on is everyone in your cult wait no that's American I was gonna say is everyone in your cult would they be um like purple drank which I think is like Kool-Aid get it because because that cult that has Kool-Aid and everyone died from drinking
1: Jonestown (laughs) you mean the
0: biggest cult of all time Uh,
1: I always forget the names (laughs) it's the mother it's actually so Jonestown and Heaven's Gate Mm-hmm. were the first cults I ever heard about um I was in like I think I was in like ninth grade and my history teacher told me about them mm-hmm. and for a while I was pretty fascinated with with cults mm-hmm. um, now that I'm older and I realize why people join cults and it's usually because like there's a charismatic leader that takes advantage of really vulnerable sad people like mm-hmm. I'm less interested in them now <laughs> um, just because I just realized how like profoundly sad cults are?
0: The only cult I want to be in is the Peloton cult.
1: That's right. You have joined a cult. I, okay. Full disclosure. I did look at the Peloton website. I almost bought a Peloton.
0: Uh, I highly recommend it because uh, for lazy people, it really helps make you exercise. I think I've said that probably on this podcast before Um, (laughs) because there's a person telling me like, yeah, I know it's been five minutes and you're sweating, but that, that means you have to keep working out. Um, which is, like, I can personally tell me. So if I'm running, I'm like oh, time for me to stop. I'm tired so um, so I find it helpful but I was thinking about our cult discussion and the cult of peloton and I was like, I don't think I'm really in it because I think the cultiness comes from doing the live classes and needing you know the teacher and other members to give you a shout out or whatever the fuck. And I don't take any live classes because I'm always just like sitting on the couch. And I'm like, oh God, I should go get on the Peloton. So it's like, you know, 3.17 p.m. It's getting like things happening. But when I was on it, thinking about these thoughts and how I don't <laughs> think I'm in the cult, I was like, you know what? I would join this cult, though, because the instructors stare into your eyes and it's like, oh, that's how they get me? you oh my god but they're on they're also beautiful like i'm riding the bike and i'm like hannah you're looking at me you're so pretty <laughs> i love you um uh, and i think that for every single one of them i thought it was just like the first time i wrote it i was like oh this one instructor like looks at you with really like sultry bedroom eyes like that's fun i like it and then it was every instructor looks at you with sultry bedroom eyes and i'm like okay I think that's that's the cult that's drawing me in.
1: I mean, I don't know how I <laughs> feel about that. I mean, I went to a soul cycle class once. Yeah. And I was like, never again. Like, it turned me SoulCycle off so much.
0: Soul cycle so mean. And the yeah, they were mean. people are just like, increase your resistance, bat their <laughs> eyelashes at you. And you're like, okay, I want to be like you and also date me.
1: Um, <laughs> I'm really sad, like, particularly today, I'm really sad that this. That this is not a visual medium because I wish
0: people could see your face. Do you like how I bat my eyelashes? <laughs> i like saying. a cartoon. <laughs> uh, yes, I will I will admit that that has not worked for me trying to find a band. I did not get my husband by batting my eyelashes at him. How'd I probably do tried to do it. God, BB, I honestly don't know. Did you that's give him a couple of dirty martinis? Slid into his DMs? <laughs> uh, in my day, we didn't have DMs. Yeah. Uh, I was that's actually so responsible for Billy making an Instagram account. Nice. So I didn't slide into his DMs. We were just pretty much always free at the same time. And so he would be like, oh, do you want to, like, grab a drink? And I'd be like, yeah, sure. So then we were just kind of always together. and We fell in love. Yeah. Mm, that's it was beautiful. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: That's lovely. Okay. Now yeah. can I tell you about this horrific cult that I've been yeah, researching? Let's, all
0: let's week? get right into it. What? Goodbye, Peloton Cult. Hello, cult of BB. What's it called? Uh, it's called the Ant Hill Kids. I've heard of the Ant Hill Kids, and the name itself always makes me imagine. I always picture every time I hear it, a sign that's like made out of wood. And a child has crudely written ant tail kids in different crayon colors and like the S's backwards. That sounds about right. That's exactly what I picture every time I hear this. Okay. Well, I'm going to need you to like
1: bring, I mean, no pressure or anything, but like, I'm going to need you to help me bring some levity because this is like, I actually, I, and just remember the episode that we did on um, battered women's defense and how I had to leave out a lot of graphic. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I had to do the same thing here. Yeah. Because as I was reading, as I was like researching, I almost fainted from what oh I read. Oh my
0: God.
1: Like, I actually like felt like, you know, like lightheaded. And I was like, I need to like, I had to pause and like drink water.
0: Um, that's terrifying. And any specific trigger warnings you want to pop off?
1: Yes. Um, all of them. Okay. <laughs> so I
0: just, if uh, you don't like the ocean, driving
1: um yeah no but seriously like every trigger warning every type of abuse every type of torture imaginable but i did i did leave out i did leave out the more gruesome stuff um i i don't i don't want to like spoil anything but like you know he had a particular he had he was really into doing a certain thing and I I will talk about it, but I won't go into the details of it because everyone who listens to our podcast will throw up, so. Cool. Uh, Yeah, cool. Okay, so. It's August 16th, 1989. A woman walks into a hospital in Victoria County, Ontario, to seek treatment. Her skin has burn marks. She's missing eight teeth. Her genitals and nipples have been mutilated. She has a stab wound in her hand. And she weighs only 80 pounds. Her most glaring issue is a shock to the doctors and nurses. One of her arms has been amputated and crudely cauterized. Oh my God.
0: BB, you know what's crazy? What? Only a month later, I was born.
1: (gasps) That's true! Oh my God, it's a month before your birthday. It's exactly a month before your birthday.
0: Wow. Okay. Okay. Where was her arm cut? Like at the elbow?
1: At the... Shoulder? Uh, I think I think between the elbow and the shoulder. Yeah.
0: Okay. It's Hate it.
1: Disgusting. Uh, it's hard to believe that this woman's injuries and trauma were caused by a single person. What? Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about this piece of shit. Okay. So he's francophone, so I'm gonna be saying his name. I guess like kind of in like a yes. French accent. Um, I love it. So, Roque Terrio was born May 16th, 1947, in the Saguenay Valley. His family moved to Thetford Mines when he was six, but he never got more than a seventh grade education, though he was described as bright and a good learner. His parents were very religious. His father was a Catholic fascist. What? Yeah. What? Fucking fantastic. What? Um, So, yeah,
0: (laughs) that's not fun.
1: No. So, and then this is like a quote. Oh, by the way, uh, Murderpedia was my only source because Murderpedia had like so much information. And so I guess Wikipedia as well and a couple of like French articles in uh, La Presse. but Murderpedia was my my main source. Um, So this is a quote. Between Mass and his father's forced door-to-door white beret literature distribution campaigns, Rock developed, Rock developed an abiding hatred for Catholicism in particular and organized religion in general, end quote. But you will see that change, obviously, in a certain way. Yeah, so basically like, his dad was basically a fucking Nazi, but like would force his kids to go door to door, like selling pamphlets on this like really, really far right Catholic group. Anyway, so as wearing
0: white berets, is that why it's called white beret? I I, like a thing, I don't know about.
1: I like assume that they were wearing white berets if that was the name of the group. Like, I think it was like a purity thing. It's like, oh, we wear white berets or whatever.
0: If someone came to my door wearing a white beret and it was not like Britney Spears (laughs) wearing like a cute winter outfit in 1998, I would be terrified.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Why? That's so creepy. Oh, imagine some kids in white braids being like, "Baby,
1: oh my baby, god, baby, we have a
0: message from Jesus." Oh, You're
1: a whore. I would. <laughs> as Ruck aged, he developed an interest in many topics, and it earned him the reputation as an intellectual. And this went to his head, obviously, and he wanted more and more attention. He had no trouble getting people to listen to him, and as a teenager, he became interested in spirituality. Okay, so I wrote. That's a fun cocktail.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, what cocktail would he you know what he would be? No,
1: no, no, don't say it.
0: Oh. (laughs) Okay. Because you need a little bit more information
1: before deciding what kind of cocktail he is. Okay. Okay.
0: I can't wait.
1: (laughs) In, in 1967, at the age of 20, he marries a woman named Francine, or Francine and together they have Francine. two sons, Francine, and together they have two sons, Rock Jr. Rock Jr. and Francois. They move back to Thedford Mines, which is his um, hometown. Mm-hmm. Around this time, he gets some digestive issues, like he gets these severe ulcers, which make him really irritable. And because he's in and out of surgery, he de- develops an interest in medicine and decides to teach himself, in air quotes, anatomy. He also acquires around this time a new interest in sex and sexuality, quote, one which was not entirely appreciated by his wife or his in-laws, end quote.
0: Oh God, why do his in-laws know about it?
1: Oh <laughs> I know. I, when I read that, I was like, this is
0: insane. Um I love the phrasing. It's not not appreciated. His (laughs) in-laws didn't appreciate uh, him, like, grabbing his wife's boobs when they were all eating dinner. Like, what? Maybe. Oh, God. Okay. He also develops a drinking problem.
1: Okay. So, Mm. to recap, Mm -hmm. we have, this is the recipe. Mm -hmm. We have a 20-year-old narcissist and alcoholic with a 7th grade education who is a self-taught witch doctor with a penchant for sexual deviance, and who has an interest in spirituality and gaining followers. Okay. What cocktail is he?
0: Like, the only one I can guess, (sighs) I have two that come to mind, but I'm going to say my first gut instinct, which is a Long Island iced tea.
1: (laughs) Okay, yeah, that's a good guess, yeah.
0: What's, why? What's the answer?
1: Oh, in my note, I was like, this guy is the screwdriver of people. What's in a screwdriver? It's vodka and orange juice. It's fucking
0: disgusting. Oh, okay. So you went with disgusting. I was thinking like he has so many ingredients, and put together they become batshit crazy. Yeah, Long
1: but Island Long, Island, Long Island Long Island like, like delicious.
0: Long Island, I know, but it fucks you up, and it's, it's cuckoo so bananas. Maybe it's other... a White Russian. No, I love White Russians. <laughs> i kicked my computer because i was so upset <laughs> oh God, uh, like a toddler i just had a fit over white russians but no i was gonna say hurricane because hurricanes also fuck you up kind of disgusting sometimes and That's uh which doctors you know are from new orleans so i like it i like
1: yeah. it maybe he's all of those cocktails put together yeah Th- that would what? not be good. <laughs> you look like you're considering it. And I was like, no, Caitlin.
0: No, I'm thinking because, like, that would be disgusting. And he sounds like he's disgusting. So then I was thinking maybe he's not a cocktail. Maybe he's the regurgitated cocktail of a hungover person. That's, yeah, I like that. Anyway, carry
1: on. Okay, so after he moves back to Thedford Mines, he develops his skills as a woodworker and would use his wood sculpting sales as an excuse to go to Quebec City to carry on several affairs behind Francine's back. Um Eventually... Ruck's finances completely fall apart. A credit union repossessed his house and Francine finally had enough and she leaves uh, Ruck with her two kids in tow.
0: Yes, get out of there, sister.
1: Yeah, so she, like, just basically a few years into the marriage, he's having affairs, he's doing whatever the fuck he wants, he's spending all their money, and she's like, fuck you, I'm out. Mm -hmm. Which, good for you. And also, Mm -hmm. given everything that happens after, oof, she could not have got, like, gone out of there soon enough. Okay, so it's around this time that Huck Terrillio discovers the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Um, so they met the group met in a local hotel room every Saturday and soon Huck became the most devoted follower. He quit drinking and devoutly followed all of the church's rules. He actually became so devout that it bothered the other Adventists. <laughs> 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 "Quote. became fascinated with the Old Testament with its strict codes of masculine authority. He was also fascinated with the apocalypse, with its message of violent retribution for sin in the end times and the division of the human race into the elect and the reprobate, end quote. Um, so just like his father, Röck was going door to door selling Adventist literature to make money and pontificating to whoever would hear him. By 1977, he amassed 11 followers. Though one of them is the you know six month old baby of two of his followers. So I don't know if that counts. I think, I think she that was counts the
0: it. most. I think that baby was like, "Guys, <laughs> I know you're not really into this, but I am, so can we just get on board for my sake?"
1: Yeah. Uh, so basically 10 followers and a baby, oh. which sounds like a fun movie. i let's really write that does. script.
0: It really does.
1: So Terio encouraged the younger people in the group to drop out of college because the world was already doomed and there was no point. All of oh, the women in the do group Do I feel that
0: though? Well, yeah, I
1: mean, <laughs> Honestly, (laughs) like honestly, out of all the things this guy did or said, that was probably the most accurate.
0: He right, college did nothing for me. Um, oh my god. I mean, hey, we have a murder podcast, so that's true. I'm here because I'm educated.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're here because we got a liberal arts education.
0: (laughs) Yes, we're here because our education was pointless. That's (laughs) what I'm saying. Anyway, keep going, keep going. You would have fit right into this cult. I Um, know. God, I'm such a sucker. I'm like, I'm not into cults, or am I?
1: Oh, God. So all the women in the group lavished a lot of attention on Roque, though he had a a girlfriend named Giselle. So he had been cheating on his first wife, right, seen mm-hmm. with Giselle, mm-hmm. and now Giselle was his girlfriend. Um, but he was claiming that, you know, he never cheated on her, and even though all the other women flirted with him, he never really did anything. Okay. In 1977, they all go on this Adventist retreat. And this is where Roch meets Gabrielle Lavallée, who would end up being both his most loyal follower and his downfall. Mm-hmm. So after this like retreat or whatever, he has eight live-in followers. So he has Giselle, Solange, Chantal, Francine, Nicole, Gabrielle, Jacques Fizet, and Claude. Uh, so obviously mostly women and then two men. He has a reputation. Sorry. Yeah.
0: Is the baby there?
1: I think so. It, it gets confusing because, like, throughout the story, like, he gains followers and loses followers. Okay. So sometimes I just, like, I don't really know. But then, but from this point on, like, those followers, they kind of stick with him through through the end.
0: And when you say live-in, are they living, where are they living? Like, they all live in the same apartment. And, like,
1: they all live in, like, a one-bedroom Ew. apartment. Ew! Yeah. Okay, nice. Um, he has a reputation as a healer, but I'm not sure, like, why that is. Like, I couldn't figure out, like, why he was known as a healer. Like I was like, has he actually killed anyone? Like, why does he have this reputation? Um, So he decides it's time for him to branch out. So he takes his crew to St. Marie de Beauce, which is about an hour south of Quebec City. So while they're there, they open up a healthy living clinic. Uh, It's an alternative medicine venue where you could get organic foods and holistic literature to help you cure any ailment. It was basically the first Whole Foods is what I'm getting from this fucking place. (laughs) they were before their time this is like what like what did i say like 1978 or whatever um 1977
0: speaking of cults
1: (laughs) true um actually lo and behold the the clinic actually makes money and it was a great way for him to get more followers because people would go shop there he would be there he would talk their ear off about like all of his beliefs and stuff and like that's how he would gain more followers as well so among these new followers were marise grenier and jacques gigaille who were a couple, a married couple. Even though Maryse hated being part of like this group, she followed her husband and his newfound passion as, like Rock's like follower. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was kind of like always an outsider because she was like, I'm not into this group, but I love my husband and he wants to be part of this, so I'm just gonna like follow along. So soon, all of the women, except of course for Maries, we're competing for Ruck's attention. So Giselle, his girlfriend, in a moment of jealousy and wanting to protect her relationship, proposes to Ruck and he accepts. Oh. So they get married in January of 1978 in an Adventist church in Montreal, but there is no honeymoon. And Ruck spends the five-hour ride home chatting and flirting with the other women in the car. Like they were all piled up in the same van, all the women from his group. <laughs> Giselle quickly realizes that Huck's only reason for getting married was to cement his relationship with the Adventist church, not her. Mm. And so, yeah. But ironically, the Adventists were actually getting really sick of (laughs) Huck-Terryl's shit and Mm -hmm. even convinced his followers, like they tried to convince his his followers, including his new wife, to leave him. Uh, But of course this didn't work. Um, And if anything, the group started relying on Huck more and more to be their voice in all matters okay so basically the Anabaptist church like went to these people and they were like this guy's fucking crazy he's like way too out there this is not like his beliefs are not our beliefs you should kind of like get away from this person and they were like no like he loves us like Mm -hmm. you know and so that's kind of like the beginning
0: okay
1: so now back at the clinic so this is probably like Rock's first victim so her name was Geraldine Gagnier oklay and she came to the clinic. She was suffering from leukemia. Uh, she was really, she was quite young. I think she, they said she was in her 20s and she was suffering from leukemia. So she went to the to the clinic. Obviously, it's alternative medicine. She had tried traditional medicine. It wasn't working out. So Ruck actually had her stay in the clinic, like had her living in there. And he forbade her, her own father from seeing her and other doctors from seeing her and oh, this makes me so mad he gave her a treatment of grape juice and organic food to treat her leukemia so not surprisingly geraldine dies at the clinic oh
0: my god she dies. she dies yes
1: yeah. yeah grape juice doesn't cure cancer people just like no, want to make sure
0: that's yeah good good
1: tip yeah okay so now we're in the spring of 1978 and this is a turning point for the group because Ruck gets kicked out of the Adventist church like formally yeah. and he responds by just like taking his followers marrying them to each other just to like secure their bond as a group so Giselle who is Rock's wife is now pregnant but she threatens to leave him because she's not getting the attention she's looking for uh like from him so he mm-hmm. responds of course by smashing her in the mouth and threatening <gasps> to kill her if she leaves
0: Oh, my God.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, that's sad.
1: Yeah. Okay, then come the financial problems. The Healthy Living Clinic has outstanding debts and is under constant police surveillance due to Gérard's death, Eau Claire's death, like, of course. Right, yeah. So since the Adventists cut off food supplies, Hug's group feels that they have no choice but to move. Um, so the group winds up in the wilderness of the Gaspé Peninsula, where Ruck's following and beliefs deepen in intensity. So this is when he tells the group that the world is going to end on February 17th, 1979, uh, but that his commune would become God's chosen if they made a righteous life for themselves. I don't want to spoil this for our listeners, but the world didn't end on February 17th, 1979. Damn. Also, like, would become God's chosen? Like, just convert to Judaism. Like, what the fuck? They're already God's chosen. (laughs) Like, like, what, what the fuck?
0: Um, we, yeah stop ripping it off
1: yeah it such a rip off the skull is such a rip off mm-hmm. um, anyway so over the course of the next few weeks the group established a compound in the middle of the forest by building a cabin digging a well and even getting themselves brand new uniforms dark blue wrap around short shrifts what's a short shrift it's they're just like shorts basically like they're just like because they had tunics <laughs> before and it was getting in the way of their labor so they got shorts
0: Wait, wrap around shorts? Does that mean like skorts? I think that's what it means. I'm okay. You got to find a picture of this to post on. I tried, I
1: googled and like nothing was definitive. And I was like, (sighs) I don't know what's happening. So the group is rebaptized by Rock with Old Testament names. So everybody's given a a name from the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So that's how Rock becomes Moise, which is the French word for Moses. Okay. So that's why, like, when you hear about this cult, people are like, oh, like, Moses Thériault. Like, and it's uh-huh. like, oh, well, Moses is, like, the name he gave himself. Like, in like in Quebec, if you hear about this guy on the news, they always yeah. say, Roque Moïse Thériault. Like, they always, like, they always add the Moses in there, which always makes me laugh. Because I'm like, I mean, that, that wasn't his real fucking name. Like, he just gave <laughs> himself that name. They've got to respect his decision. I guess, I guess so. He also called himself the Papi Of the group. And Giselle, his wife, was many. Ew. It was fucking gross. They all applied for social welfare and collectively they received $1,400 a month from the Canadian government. And I checked and that's about $5,000 in today's money. Canadian a month. Which, like, okay, they're a group of, like, 10 people. Like... Yeah, that's really not a lot, but, like, I mean, it's not like they pay any rent, yeah. but you could probably buy, like, food and supplies for 10 people with $5,000 a month if you don't have to worry about rent or utilities.
0: Yeah. I'm assuming. I think, so. I I feel like you could, yeah, if you're not paying rent or utilities, I mean, rent is supposed to be, like, a third of your income or something. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I wonder. I could see that. And, like, yeah. presumably they're growing shit in the woods and, like, drinking groundwater or whatever yeah
1: anyway so okay. yeah i mean whatever okay. clearly okay. they made something work so in october of 1978 when she's six months pregnant Giselle learns that rock had cheated on her with another woman of the commune nicole mm-hmm. um they had intercourse one day while everyone else was working like everyone was <sighs> like even the even the pregnant woman was just like digging up the well and wow. like they're they're like in the background like fucking anyway Oh. hurt and devastated she then tried to flee the communal cabin but was quickly caught by Gok who threw her down and started choking her she said then agreed to return to the compound in order to save her own life
0: oh gosh
1: so there's already like domestic abuse happening yeah. so
0: yeah super
1: violent so vakt uh, decides that so at that point he decides that all the previous marriages that he arranged between the people in his group were null and void and now every woman in the commune would be married to you guessed it, to him. So this, this meant that he could have guilt-free sex with all the women. uh Yeah. The only, by the way, the only exception was, that, remember that, like, woman I told you about who was, like, not down? She yeah. is still involved. Like, her and her husband are still there. <laughs> oh, no. And they have a child already. Um, so, anyway. Though he had been sober for many years, Rock uh, started drinking again, often delivering drunken sermons and becoming violent as he drank. He prostituted Gabrielle Lavallée to the local grocer in exchange for milk, meat, and cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and then the physical abuse and torture of everyone on the commune began. Okay, so okay. first, it started with smacks on the head if anyone fell asleep during a sermon. Mm-hmm. Then, Ruck would have people stand naked in the snow for hours as punishment for various transgressions. Mm-hmm. The abuse escalated to routine violence as uh, he would punch or beat anyone who ate more than their ration of food. This included Marie's Grenier, who was pregnant and ate two more pancakes than what was allocated to her. When Marie started thinking about leaving, her and her husband, Jacques, like like I said, they had been part of the group for years, even though she had always been a skeptic. Um, she was like, okay, this abuse is too much to handle. Like, I want to leave. Um, so when Jacques learns that Marie wants to leave, he instructs her husband to cut off her toes. And it took convincing, but eventually Jacques did sever his wife's little toe with an ax. Oh, with an ax? Yeah. Okay. So, of course, February 17th, 1979, came and went without an apocalypse. So Ruck explained this away by saying that messages from God were sometimes hard to read, but that the end of the world would come any day now. But fast forward, so we're going to jump ahead now to November 1980. Okay, so this is where the story gets really fucking crazy, so buckle your seatbelts, everybody. Um, a man named Guy Veer joins the commune, but instead of sleeping in the growing cabin with the others, he is remanded to the storage shed. <laughs> I'm not sure why that is, like, he really wanted to be a follower and they just, like, didn't fully accept him into the group and I'm yeah. not sure why that is. Veer was, however, given many responsibilities around the commune, including babysitting the children who were not fathered by Rock. So, at this point, Rock had fathered three children. All by different women, not counting the two from his previous marriage. So in total, right now he has five. And Marie's Grenier and Jacques Chigaret, that couple I was telling you about, they had two children, Samuel and Miriam, and there was another baby named Simon who had been born out of the one of the brief marriages that was arranged by Rock like earlier on between his his followers. So. Yeah, so there are like basically there are six children in the commune at this point. Actually, no, that's not true because I think Rock's kids were already living there. So there's like eight children in the commune, and three of them are called outsider children because they weren't fathered by Rock. And so um, yeah, so like Guyveer was in charge of taking care of these children. And one night as he's doing so, and by the way, he, obviously he had no children of his own. He had no experience with children and he had been um, uh, dealing with a lot of mental health issues. And so one night when Guy Ver is taking care of the outsider children, he loses his temper as Samuel, who was two years old, began crying. He punched him in the head several times. No, do so what happens next is kind of up to, to debate. Like there are varying accounts of what occurred but it does end the same way which is that Ruck took a pair of scissors and cut the baby's penis. Oh my god. He also gives the baby a 94 percent ethanol solution as an anesthetic.
0: Oh my god.
1: Of course the baby dies.
0: Oh my Oh no.
1: So remember earlier when I was talking about how like he had an interest in an, he self who's yeah. a self-taught doctor and, like, thought he could cure people. Like, he's killed a woman at the clinic by, like, giving her fucking grape juice when she needed proper medical care, and now he, like, fully, like... He thought that, for whatever reason, he thought that, like... I don't know. I don't know what his reasoning was, but he thought that this would save the baby anyway. He just mutilated this baby, and he killed it. He killed this child. So the baby... I mean, yeah. So the body is cremated almost, like, immediately. Marise, who... The skeptic who got her toe cut off she was the baby's mother and apparently she when she heard about the death of her child she simply went back to work so i don't know if this means that she's like super traumatized and she's like trapped and she's like there's nothing i can do or if there was like something else going on with her but like clearly things are not good on this commune oh, that's horrible okay so six months later in another fit of drunken rage ruck decides that they should castrate guy Vier, for what he did to baby Samuel. So by the way, life goes back to normal. And then six months later, he gets like, Ruck gets drunk and he's like, you know what? We should really punish this guy for what he did six months ago by castrating him. Um, So the group voted on the decision and out of 10 people, seven were in favor. Ruck then went to Veer and convinced him Mm -hmm. that the castration would actually cure Veer of his headaches, his depression and his excessive masturbation. He agreed. The castration oh was... Yeah, I know. The castration was completed on the kitchen table. Rock performed the operation himself with Gabriel Lavallee as his nurse. I mean, these people are... It's just That's so fucked. Yeah. But in November of 1981, after experiencing more torture from the group, Guy Veer escapes the compound and he reaches a nearby village where he tells the residents that a baby has died in the commune after being kicked by a horse. So he doesn't give the correct yeah. reason, but he does say hey there's like a baby died on this compound so the police then raid the place they arrest ruck jacques and marise and they put all of the children in foster care okay they find the baby's remains they also find a letter of consent that veer had written about his own castration and the ballots from when the group voted on whether or not to castrate veer can you imagine being the police officer on this fucking compound and, and like finding this shit Un-fucking-believable.
0: No, I would have been like, "What? why would you, that's so, that's like not funny, but it's so absurd to imagine you're searching and you're like, what's this? Oh my god, it's a ballot box. Like, I'm imagining, you know, <laughs> like in school, a shoebox covered with, yeah. and someone wrote on it, like, castration vote. And I'm like, yeah. what? What is this?
1: Oh my god. Uh man. Um, That's fucked up. So... Anyway, TLDR, but like most of the adults were charged with criminal negligence causing bodily harm in the death of Samuel and Claude Ouellette, who's like one of the followers was charged with one count of obstruction of justice for cremating the body. Jacques Jacques and Marise, who again have another kid and then Solange and Claude, who had that third outsider baby were also charged with neglect towards their children. Roque and Gabrielle were charged with bodily harm with intent to mutilate for the castration of Guy Veer. There was a nine, nine month trial and all parties were found guilty on all charges. Guy Veer was sentenced, but later acquitted for mental incompetence. Gabriel Lavallee was sentenced to nine months in jail. Rocterio was sentenced to two years in jail. Rocterio was released in February of 1984. But my friends, the story is far from over Oh, because history repeats itself. As soon as he is released, ruck mm-hmm. and his followers start the commune again but this time in victoria county ontario the compound is much larger this time and includes a two-story house with a kitchen a bakery a maple sugar shack a smokehouse a root cellar and a stone sanctuary actually okay. sounds really nice yeah. i bet that and i was like well i bet in real life it was like super shitty but like i mean who knows that? I, I have no idea Great. He has two male and nine female followers, four of whom are pregnant with his children, with his, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: And then at this point, the commune has 10 children ranging in age from one to 15. Okay, so the torture began once again and worsened very quickly, even though Huck had convinced his followers to come back by telling them that there would be no more violence. So by the way, like a lot of the followers that he had before, they're right back there with him. Um, His abuse was at times psychological And at other times physical He would sometimes hit his followers With the broad side of an axe Or even a hammer Whipping was also a common punishment Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Okay Oh, sports stuff too Okay, so in January of 1985 Gabrielle Lavallée puts her five-month-old son Eleazar outside In minus 10 Celsius degree weather Which is 14 Fahrenheit Oh. Less than two hours later The baby has died
0: Why did she do that?
1: because ruck told her to <gasps> like basically he was like the crazy. The uh, yeah oh
0: my god that's so sad
1: and even though this was ruck's son like this was his son biologically he had frequently beaten the baby saying that he hated it and that it no. bore the mark of the devil
0: no it's just a baby
1: yeah <laughs> the county coroner was a friend of ruck's and marked the baby's cause of death as sudden infant syndrome which like I... fuck you dude yeah. fuck you like, yeah. like, come on! Who are your friends? If you have to like fucking forge or or like fake a death
0: certificate, like,
1: come on! For anyway,
0: aid for a baby—that's yeah. so messed up. End your friendship, bro.
1: Yeah. However, the county's children's aid society doesn't buy this, and they start watching the commune more closely, which they should because the children of the commune received horrific treatment. They were malnourished, tortured, and abused. They received no education or healthcare, and by again, I don't. I'm not going to go into the details, but they were abused in every single way possible. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Eventually, there was a court-ordered independent assessment of the children's lives in the commune. The assessment was conducted by two doctors, Real Uno and Martin Milekovic. Together, they wrote a 300-page report that. Okay, can you guess what it said? Just take a guess. Mm-hmm. Did it say everything was cool? It celebrated Ruck's, (gasps) quote, pioneering spirit and experimental attitude regarding sexual education. (gasps) I'm going to read that again. It celebrated his pioneering spirit and experimental attitude regarding sexual education on children. Fuck. Yeah. The doctor's in their report, also accused the government of trying to persecute the group, trying to force them to disband by withholding their welfare, which is a gross infraction of their rights as citizens. So these doctors are basically like, fuck you, government. Like, they're just trying to live their lives, like, this alternative lifestyle. And you're trying to, like, cut off their welfare. Like, these children are, like, living a cool life. By the way, all of the kids had teeth rotting in their mouths.
0: How, how... Oh my god how did that happen
1: i anyway so the court receives this report and they're like fuck you we reject this oh. they're literally like no oh my god they're literally like this is oh. no like we're not accepting this in october of 1987 they ruled that the children would be made wards of the crown so being made wards okay. of the state yeah however there was not enough evidence to charge Terry with any crimes so they were able to get the children away but they weren't able to like arrest him for anything I mean...
0: Which, like, I'm also,
1: like, how? how?
0: Yeah, isn't it evidence that somebody wrote that he was being experimental sexually with... That, wait. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's evidence? I mean... Ah!
1: It's, it's fucked
0: don't, up. Don't, don't... Oh, yeah, that's... No. So anyway, so back at the
1: compound, uh, he's up to his old tricks. So he castrates his two male followers and routinely tortures his female followers. So... In one incident, he threw a hunting knife at Giselle, which caused a three-inch-deep wound in her leg. She developed a blood clot, and Rock operated, air quotes, on her leg. No. Yeah, anyway, it's fucked up. The torture escalated. He burned his followers. He pulled teeth out with pliers. He shot two of his followers. They survived, by the way, but he did shoot two of them. He broke ribs. He sprained toes. He used broken glass to slice skin open. He broke bones and even pressured his followers to torture each other. He burned and mutilated genitals. He even beat a horse to death with a chain. Why? He would also cut off fingers. So
0: he's just, like, completely sadistic. Oh, yeah. Like, that is fucking nuts. Yeah,
1: he's, like, at the very, I mean, end of the spectrum in terms of sadism. Like, it's it's really, really terrible. Oh, so the worst of it may have been his operations. And I'm really using air quotes, like big air quotes, like his yeah. operations. And again, I'm not going to go into the details, but he did operate on two of the women yeah. in, uh, in the commune. Sonange, one of the followers, she was having health issues and Huck convinced her that it was an issue with her liver. Mm-hmm. He butchered her. He just butchered her. I'm not going to go into everything that he did, but it sounds like the most horrific, slow and painful death I've ever read about. And and yeah, and she dies. Uh, And the cause of death was acute perionitis, an inflammation of the peritoneum caused by digestive fluids leaking into the abdominal cavity. So you can only guess how that happened. Oh no. Oh my God. I mean, he's just, anyway. But apparently he was so distraught over Sonange's death that Raghaka apparently attempts suicide three times, but fails each time. So then he becomes convinced that, okay, this part's fucked up. He then becomes convinced that God wants him to live because he would be the first male to give birth to a reincarnated female. That's right, folks. He became convinced that he was pregnant with Sonange.
0: Oh my God.
1: He was like, I'm pregnant with the woman I killed. What the fuck? Being (laughs) reincarnated through me, I guess. I'm pregnant. What he's just I like, just he's out of his fucking mind, this guy. Um, okay. So, okay. Brace yourself. No. Okay. In his final act of unbelievably gruesome violence. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one night he's very drunk. He stabs Gabrielle Lavallee's hand with a hunting knife, mm-hmm. which pins her to the kitchen table. So she's stuck. Okay. He leaves her bleeding there for 45 minutes. Okay, and like the way she, like she, when she tells her, her story, she's like, I just focused on not passing out. Mm-hmm. So she is sitting at a kitchen table, her hand, again, there's a hunting knife through it. She is pinned to the table. She is bleeding and she just has to wait there to get help. Everybody else had seen that he was drunk and in a drunken fit of rage. So they all escaped to the woods for the night. They're like, we're not dealing with this. We're going to sleep outside and we're going to wait until he silvers up and we're going to come back. So she cool. is basically alone. He eventually comes back with a carpet knife and he begins sawing through her arm. <gasps> he finished the job by taking a dull meat cleaver and it took two swings to amputate Gabrielle Lavalle's arm. Do we have any idea why he saw fit to do that? He thought that it was, it was part of his religious fanaticism. Like he thought that you had to purify yourself of like your sins and that would come through torture and... Um. When the wound became infected, Rock mutilated Gabriel even further, and finally cauterized the wound with an old drive shaft they had found in a junk car. So you know, like the driving stick. Okay, yeah. they like pulled it out of the car, and then they like he- like they heated up like an iron, like like over over the stove, and then they used that to cauterize the wound. But he was so drunk that he kept dropping the iron hot shaft on Gabrielle's body before he oh finally finished. No. And so, Ugh. beaten, mutilated, amputated and burned, Gabrielle Lavallée finally escaped on August 16th, 1989 to get proper treatment for her arm. Though she initially lied about what had happened to her, the hospital called the police who immediately went to the compound to arrest Choc. To their surprise, they found the compound deserted rock three of his followers and two babies had fled to quebec while his other followers had finally gone home seemingly over like just over his spell i guess like maybe like this yeah. was the where they drew the line i don't fucking know <sighs> the manhunt lasted six weeks but eventually the police apprehended Roque he was first charged for the mutilation of Gabrielle and sentenced to 10 years in prison however giselle finally told the police about solange's death which he had also caused, and the court tacked on a charge of first-degree murder, but later that changed to second-degree murder when it was found that there was no proof of premeditation. Rock pled guilty and was sentenced to life in prison on January 18th, 1993, with the possibility of parole after six years. What? Yeah.
0: Why? Why would you ever parole somebody who is literally violent to all living things?
1: He literally went to jail already once. and. (laughs) It doesn't make any fucking sense. Of
0: all people who would get
1: probation, he should not have it. But I think it's because in Canadian law, mm. I think it's like a thing where you have to give people for second degree, you yeah. have to give them a chance of parole after a certain time. Like you don't really. Have, I think I'm not. I'm not 100 sure. But you know, it's fucked up. Wow. Three of his followers, Nicole, Chantal, and Francine different Francine remained faithful to him. Everyone else turned against him and tried to find a normal life after his arrest.
0: Ha- what do you mean? They, like, visited him in prison and were like, here, baby, I cut off my pinky for you because I knew you would want me to. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking Adam. Jesus.
1: So, oh, rock Terrio fathered 26 children.
0: <gasps> no. All
1: of whom went to live in foster care.
0: <gasps> Those poor kids. Oh, no, 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 no.
1: rock was denied parole several times.
0: Thank God. Thank
1: God. And on February 26, 2011, he was stabbed in the neck by his cellmate, Matthew Gerard McDonald. Damn. After the stabbing, McDonald walked to the guard station, handed them the weapon and said, that piece of shit is down on the range. Here's the knife. I've sliced him up. Rock was 63 when he died. Gabriel Lavallée, the survivor, went on to write a book called Alliance of the Sheep, uh, which I think was like a bestseller in Quebec. She's in her early 70s now and she has turned to religion to find peace. I want to read that book. And that is the fucking craziest story I have ever heard of Rock Moistirio and the anthill kids.
0: I'm just like, holy shit. I mean, that is so mind-blowing. I feel so bad for those kids if they ever find out who their dad is. Like, can you imagine how much I would just be like, that made me? Like, that's what I just, I don't even know what to say. I'll never understand how a person could do a single one of those things, much less all of those things over and (laughs) over. And like people. I just couldn't believe he got away with so much. Yeah. And I can't believe that people didn't flee. Like I understand that cults are complicated and there's like a lot of manipulation and things like that, but that was some heavy duty manipulation to, to, have someone be like oh this guy just like killed somebody yeah and I'm just like I guess I have to stay like that's so intense I mean that's what I was
1: kind of of trying to show is that there's a clear escalation you know what I mean and I feel like you know it's like that what's like that expression it's like it's easier to boil a frog if you like put the frog in the water and you boil the water instead of throwing a frog in the boiling water it's Mm -hmm. just gonna jump back out like it's the same thing. If people joined and it was that violent, they probably wouldn't have stayed. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. no, sure. It just like escalated over time, yeah. and they were yeah. like, uh, and it's just like any abusive relationship where yeah. you're like, well, he's nice to me sometimes, and like he says yeah. he
0: loves me. Like, it's the same thing. And, yeah. Anyway, so I just um, I feel like it had to have been so un like his power over them had to be so unbelievably strong because I think just like your basic fear that you would feel seeing these things happen. Yeah. Like you have to, you'd have to like stop your body from running away.
1: And even just like, you know, um, the men in the cult, like agreeing to being castrated. That's pretty fucking intense. Like you and I talked about this when we talked about family mm-hmm. annihilators. Like it goes against like a man's primary yeah. motivation, which is to like yeah. fucking reproduce. Like, yeah. It's like, how do you.
0: <laughs> oof, oof. Yeah. That's that he must have been a powerful manipulator like to a degree that I can't even imagine that is so insane yeah oh I'm so glad he is deceased and I'm not mad that he got stabbed in prison I'm not gonna lie I'm not <laughs> mad about it I'm okay with
1: it I mean I mean I'm just glad he was denied parole I think once he was in jail people, like they were like okay we have to give him parole because like justice system says that he needs to like have a chance but we don't yeah. actually have to give it to him
0: oh god yeah shit yeah good well yeah I mean your guy makes my guy look like fun I know I know that's
1: why I was like honestly next to was a fucking palette cleanser next to this guy like yeah. I mean I mean it's just yeah anyway
0: oh god oh okay <laughs> I'm <look> ready so... <laughs> I'm ready
1: okay I'm just gonna relax I just have my peppermint yeah. tea now I'm just gonna
0: drink your peppermint tea and wind down so that you can sleep tonight homie that is just like uh and I've heard stuff about that cult but like I don't know I guess I blocked it out because
1: I heard that three um I heard that uh, last podcast on the left did like Mm -hmm. a three episode special I haven't listened to it and I told myself like I'm not gonna I'm gonna record this first and then listen to their like obviously if they did three episodes they obviously went into way more detail and like it's probably like way better but um yeah yeah like i had to leave out some details though because i was like i'm gonna have a fucking vagal shock like i'm just yeah <laughs> can you imagine we record the podcast and like all our listeners hear, is like your voice being like bb bb wake Bibi. up bb
0: davis davis <laughs> bb clark uh, oh. I and with the stuff you did leave in like oh my god I don't even want to know what was left out I really don't I I ignorance is bliss at this time
1: murderpedia um, if you ever want to have nightmares
0: no but I do really want to read that woman's book I, I'm so curious about like hearing like the experience from, from the inside and what that was like that's crazy um okay well uh, on that Note: I'm going to try to do to cover the cult, now known as a cult, I should say, Nexium. I also left out a lot of stuff because uh, this podcast isn't a thousand hours long. Um, <laughs> sadly, there is a podcast about it though that's actually produced by Canadian Broadcasting Company. I think it's oh. called Uncover Colon Something About Nexium. Cool. Okay. Um, so, anyone who hears this and is interested in hearing more, there's a shit ton out there. There's that podcast. I'm sure there's others. Some of my information came from Seduced, which is the HBO documentary series about it. Also, The Vow, which is Star's documentary about it. What having watched both of those, I could I could just frame for frame, like describe them. It would take eight hours, but that's <laughs> how much like shit there is about this cult so um other sources were rolling stone new york times pop sugar and a blog called the frank report which we will get to in a little bit more detail okay uh, later on so nexium i should have looked up why they named it this it just occurred to me that i didn't do that i have no clue why it's called this it's annoying it's spelled n-x-i-v-m so, like, that's stupid just to jump right off. Let's just say it. Another stupid thing about this cult is that it's based in, in Albany in upstate New York. And every time that came up, I just giggled because it's so weird. Like, I don't know. Albany is such, like, a, a white bread place. And there's this fucking crazy-ass cult living in, like, a subdivision of Albany. And they're all in these little matching townhouses. Like, Ugh. You never know what's going on behind closed doors, am I right? <laughs> so, uh, I want to start with a little background um, on the founder of Nexium, Keith Ranieri, also known as Vanguard, which is the title he gave himself when he launched this uh, business. I will say, I just, I they always give themselves a name, don't they? I know it's so fucking cheesy. What do you think I, Moses would say to Vanguard, or vice versa? Oh my God, are you kidding? Okay, Vanguard would be like, Moses, I love everything that you do. And I think that society is wrong for saying that you're wrong.
1: Uh, Moses, I think that you might have a little bit of rage, but I think that's fine. I think you need to like work some things out. But like, also the women in my group are hotter than yours, but like, I'm not gonna like hold that against you. he
0: would be like, Moses, you're the pinnacle of masculinity.
1: <laughs> so. And then Moses would tell Vanguard, Thanks, bro. No, I need to castrate you.
0: Yeah, fuck. He'd be like, no, take out your dick, and I'm going to remove it with a scissor. Thanks. Jesus. Uh, Anyway, so his name's Keith Raniere, and he is an asshat. He was born in Brooklyn in 1960, and about age six, he, he moved with his parents upstate. But when he was eight, his parents divorced. So as far as I could tell, he was mostly raised by his mom. I don't think his dad was really in the picture. It seems like he kind of went for a pack of cigarettes and never came home. Shit. So Keith was, you know, an only child, pretty lonely growing up, uh, raised by his mom. She had a heart condition uh, and she had to have like an open heart surgery when he was 13. So he was also kind of like her caregiver for a while. Okay. And... By the time he was 18, she passed away because of her condition. Oh, shit. Yeah, so basically orphaned at a pretty young age. Nexium described Ranieri as a star student and said that he majored in three different subjects at his college, which was Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. They also claimed that he was a judo expert at the age of 11. And that he was a self-taught concert-level pianist by the age of 13.
1: Every time you read self-taught in anyone's bio, red flag.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. I don't know if his judo was self-taught either. They didn't specify that, but I like to think it was. (laughs)
1: Kind of hard to wrestle yourself on a mat, you know? It's called masturbation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's called judo, baby, (laughs) God. That's hilarious. He probably was. He's like, yeah, yeah. I He's like at school. Guys, guess what I called Guess what I think Juno is? It's when I jerk off, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, what? Get away from us!" Oh, he's totally <laughs> that creepy kid who's like, "I discovered porn," and everyone's like, "We're eleven, and we're really not there yet." <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, there's always that kid in your class. <laughs> oh so, my God,
1: That's so true.
0: Now that I've speculated about why Keith didn't have any friends. I've also like to mention that we now know that at college he actually had a 2.26 GPA, which is a C. Um, so he was not a star student. Um, not sure that he actually graduated, uh, but I didn't care enough to find out because, like, whatever.
1: Yeah, he I failed. actually don't give a like, shit about people's GPAs, but just yeah. don't lie about it. You know what? That's yeah. actually the only yeah. thing that's offensive about that. It's that's, like that he claimed that he was a star student. It's like. You can like I have friends who had a C average in college, but they still got a great education and they had a lot of fun. And they're like, I don't give a shit if my GPA was a C. I'm like, that's the way to live, honestly.
0: Um, My grade point average for a semester in college was a 2.29 because I was failing math. So, Uh, you know what? We've all been there, but he told people he was a genius. So this was really not like working in his favor. So he failed a bunch of shit. And he was on academic probation. And I don't know if he got kicked out or not. But ultimately, he does not have three college degrees in, like, rocket science or whatever the fuck. (laughs) So so that's his early life. He sucked at college. He was lonely. He was addicted to masturbating and calling it judo. But at a young age, at some point, he was relatively youthful. He founded a company called Consumer Byline Operation.
1: What the fuck? Those are just words. Those are just random
0: words put together. Why, yes, baby, they are. Because <laughs> <laughs> what this company was, was your, your run-of-the-mill pyramid scheme, uh. multi-level marketing scheme. It was basically like one of the documentaries showed a clip of like his commercial. And essentially it's like, so what you do is you sign up for consumer byline operation and you get discounts on like bulk f- products it's sort of like costco but instead of cost instead of being a real thing like costco it's like okay and then you sign up your friends and the more people join the bigger the discount and like yeah so it was just total bullshit um at this time he had the most hilarious bowl cut you could ever imagine he's such a little troll like every time i saw him in anything he's he's short he's got little hands little sausage fingers little arms his hair always looked fucking stupid. He's got like just this face that I hate and want to punch. He
1: has like a weasel face.
0: Yeah, because he kind of is always looking with like narrowed eyes like he thinks he's making a smart facial expression but he's really just like gl- like narrowing his eyes and looking like an ass hat <laughs> as I mentioned before. <sighs> um one time my when my sister was little she drew a a picture of an ass hat because I said it so frequently and it was an ass wearing a tuxedo hat. And um, I feel like that really summarizes Keith Raniere in a lot of ways.
1: I think that should be on
0: our merch. Oh, yeah. (gasps) A hat with the ass hat drawing on it. Yeah. Okay. So so he found this bullshit company at this company. He was billed as the smartest man in the world, which this is one of my favorite facts about him. (laughs) He gave himself this label because he did a take home IQ test in the 80s. And somehow by submitting this IQ test to somewhere, he was listed in the Guinness book of world records in 1989, as like one of the people with the highest IQs in the world, but it was only printed in the Australian edition. (laughs) It's how did that happen? I I need to know.
1: I feel like this is an insult to Australia.
0: <laughs> like, I feel like I feel yeah. like he did this take home test, submitted it to the Guinness Book of World Records, and everyone was like, "Oh, this is bullshit." But they forgot to tell Australia, and they printed oh. it, and they were like, "Fuck, guys, <laughs> he's not a genius." God damn it! And they're like, oh, "Sorry." I thought so you were gonna be time. like,
1: <laughs> "I thought you were gonna be like." So he took the test, and everyone was like, "Yeah, he's not that smart." And Australia was like, "Well, he's
0: smart over here." <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Australians. I think they're beautiful and I love their accents. I can't do um, the Australian accent. Can you do it? Oh gosh, no. Um, my sister tries to do it. Let me think if I can try, what does she always say? She says, um, no, I'm not even gonna try and do it, but <laughs> yeah, she tries. Um, I will not attempt it. I have too much respect for Aussies. See, what was that? What accent was that that I just uh, said Aussies in? I don't know. Let's. I thought that was like French,
1: respect. that sounded Parisian.
0: Oh, <laughs> Why do we have a podcast? I'm sorry to everyone listening. To yeah, same. Now. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. He's not actually the smartest man in the world. Uh, I mentioned spoiler. His bulk, but, yeah, spoiler. I mentioned his bowl cut. He... <laughs> so ultimately, this business was sued because, um, you know, it was a pyramid scheme defrauding people and was investigated by four states. And by the mid-90s or so, it was shut down. Um, Side note, just as part of his timeline, in 1990, he was accused of raping a 12-year-old girl. What the fuck? Um, I don't know what happened after that. I don't know. I guess he didn't do any prison time or anything. Somehow he got out of it. But the accusation was made and... I just keep that in mind? That's just the kind of guy we're working with right now. Okay. Now, after his shady business closed, he and a woman he was dating, who presumably did not know about this accusation, because it was a few years later, opened a health food store. Robert Durst vibes.
1: Uh, oh, also Rock Moise Stereo vibes.
0: Yes. Like, What's up wh- with cults and like healthy I food? I don't know. Maybe it's because they're like, it's the easiest way to get people to come in. Cause,
1: Cause people who hate themselves shop at Whole Foods. Yes.
0: Yes, totally. They, like, we'll found, get to that. I mean, <laughs> we will get to that baby. So in a, in a Robert Durst vibey moment, he opens a health food store. So <laughs> when Keith founded Nexium in 1998, he didn't do it alone. He had a partner, uh, the president, quote unquote, of of Nexium, Nancy Salzman, and the title she was given was prefect. Something about how she's his first student. I don't care. Um, <laughs> she, before she joined Nexium, she was a like psychiatric nurse or something, and she also specialized in an amazing pseudoscience called neurolinguistic programming which is basically talking in a certain way to elicit responses and using mirroring like body mirroring to sort of make your words penetrate without them knowing is what I said. That sounds kind of upsetting (laughs) now that I'm saying it out loud. (laughs) But what it meant was, you know, you're kind of using mirroring is like, you know, a psychology thing where it just makes people feel like trust or whatever the fuck i don't know it's not real doesn't matter but i love the idea of neurolinguistic programming um i think it's basically being like um bb did you ever think that you're a piece of trash (laughs) and like you talk in a soft voice and you're kind of like it's okay to be trash just admit it Then you're like, I guess you're right. You would be really good
1: at that, which, like, really (laughs) freaks me out. Which really
0: freaks me out. That's my understanding. That's my scientific understanding of this fake science. (laughs) So Nancy met Keith (laughs) because she was a frequent shopper at the health food store because she had chronic constipation. And a quote from the girlfriend, Keith's girlfriend at the time, who, like, hates Keith and hates all this Nexium stuff and, like, broke up with him a long time ago and was like, he sucks. But a quote that I read from her about this was she was literally full of shit and it made me laugh so hard.
1: Wow. I mean she should have just gone to Applebee's get one of their espresso martinis and she would have cleared right up.
0: But she did it. She <laughs> she needed more baby. She needed more atmosphere that she could get <laughs> at a health food store than you can get in Applebee's. She needs to feel like, you know, she was doing something special for her colon. organic plungers (laughs) (laughs) so so that's how nancy and keith connected she was always at their store because she was so constipated that she was trying every health food out there and eventually she started giving uh keith and his girlfriend neurolinguistic programming therapy sessions and keith got super into it the girlfriend not so much so, in 1998, the two started Nexium and built it as a self help program. Uh, over the course of its existence, so 1998 until basically a couple years ago, 18,000 people enrolled at some point or another. That's a lot. I know, right? And so they were best known for their executive success program, AKA ESP. And yeah, I mean, it was just self help bullshit trying to attract people who wanted to be better at owning their own business, uh, learn better like communication skills. So they offered a bunch of different types of courses that would cater to different type of people. And yeah, it it was just multi-level marketing at its, at its finest, really.
1: I mean, the way that you're describing it, I'm like, oh, I could easily understand why people went
0: No, after watching the documentaries, I talked to multiple people who were like, when you see how it started, you understand how people got involved. And then when you see how well they deployed these tactics, like you understand how people didn't leave also. Exactly. Um, Yeah. So from the outside, you're like, oh my God, I would never do that. But it seems like it's a lot like you might actually do it because one of the people who's in one of these documentaries is a woman named India Oxenberg, and she was trying to start her own catering company. And she was like, oh, this might be helpful for me to like learn some, you know, business skills or sales skills or whatever to help like improve my company and like, uh, you know, make more money. So those were the type of people that were, were being attracted to this. So However, some of their core concepts uh, are quite upsetting if you think about it. The first one is basically the idea you create your own reality. But what that really means is everything that happens to you is your fault. Mm. One of the things they would frequently say was, I will not choose to be a victim. And that would play out uh, in a really dark way. Sort of the deeper you got into Nexium, it would be like, Don't, you know, don't play the victim. Don't blame other people for your problems. Ultimately translated into like, well, you're only a victim of rape because you're saying that you're a victim. If you look at it from another perspective, you're not a victim. So... It got, yeah, like that's that's where this fucking asshole chose to take that. It's like um, brainwashing, basically. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So they would um gaslighting, sorry, that's the cor- that's the more correct term. I think. Both Yeah. together. Gas washing, <laughs> brain lighting. Anyway, so they used terminology that's like straight out of uh what's it called? Scientology. People who got in the way of you participating in Nexium were suppressives. They called ex-members Luciferians. Well, wow. because they were lost people for whom bad feels good and good feels bad. So uh courses were thousands of dollars. So you could take a five-day long intensive for three thousand dollars and it was like twelve hours a day for five days straight. You could do 12 hour days for like Longer sessions for $7,500. Whoa. And yeah. So essentially, what they did was you would enroll in these classes, and then by taking more classes, you could progress to higher levels in the company. And they would set it up so, you know, they'd be like, okay, give us $3,000 to take this intensive. And at the end, you can become a coach. And when you're a coach, you're one step closer to being a proctor and when you're a proctor you can actually earn money so you know it's the whole pyramid scheme where you have to buy your way in but then you have to keep buying and buying before you're ever able to make anything yeah um and you know they would entrap people basically like this one woman was going into so much debt because she kept taking courses and she would never they would never level her up and so then she would like be in debt and they'd be like well if you work for us for free like you can take a class and like you can pay us back later and they would just like basically fuck these people over by causing them to be ensnared in like this crazy debt situation and they would bring them more into it being like well if you do one more class then you can make a salary and then you can pay off your debt or if you work for free then like you'll pay it down and yeah blah 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 so nexium was not very original. Its teachings came out of work by Ayn Rand, L. Ron Hubbard of Scientology, of course, uh, some Asimov science fiction, Tony Robbins. Again. I was gonna
1: say, like, this sounds a lot like Tony yeah.
0: Robbins. Yeah, it is. It's like you're you can be your best if you just best your shit. Um,
1: <laughs> if you also, just if you just clear your colon.
0: If you can clear your colon. giving us five thousand (laughs) dollars then you will be your best
1: suppress it better be fucking good
0: oh god so what a yeah multi-level marketing um and apparently they also drew from judo practices um i guess because of the the stripe program that i will tell you about now so as i was mentioning you enroll in a class you pay for the class and as you do more and more you can progress to different levels and they're signified by these truly disgusting polyester sashes that they would just drape like over their shoulder, like a really fucking ugly scarf. And it looks like, hey, it's just so ugly. It's honestly, it was one of the more offensive things about it. I'm like, you people are <laughs> draping this banana yellow piece of polyester on yourself and it's just making me so upset. So You get a sash as you move up through the program and to move up, you have to take classes, but you also have to recruit people. Of course. Pyramid and keep taking classes. So they called it the stripe program because it was like, okay, you get a sash and then on your sash, you would get stripes that would count you up to the next one. So you would have like your yellow sash with four stripes. And if you got five, then you could get green. So white sashes were for literally anyone who paid to take a class Yellow was for a coach. They worked for free and also had to keep paying. But so they would like lead classes and things like that. Orange was proctors. And that's where you were able to start earning a tiny salary, a little tiny commission, but not enough. Green was for senior proctors. Um, And according to Pop Sugar, to reach the level where you're wearing a green sash, you have had to put in a million dollars into this.
1: Oh, my God
0: in terms of like classes and things like that like you have spent a million dollars on classes to reach that point which is bananas
1: holy shit
0: blue was for counselors that would cost you about five million dollars and they make a salary but obviously they don't make five million dollars so who cares yeah um purple was for senior counselors but only three people ever reached that level and then gold was for nancy because she was the prefect so she got her gold
1: and what was vanguard
0: you know what? I knew you were gonna ask me that, and I don't fucking know. I should have looked, but I didn't. Um, no, I don't know. I can't tell you. It's fine. I, don't need I think to know. he was though. Okay, good. He's probably like I don't know. I have literally no idea. Maybe pink because he was so into vaginas.
1: Ooh, that's an anyway. interesting theory. <laughs>
0: so, so that's the stripe program. So now you get the idea of how they got people started on this path and how they essentially blackmailed and defrauded people so that they had to keep paying and keep giving time and energy to this out of the hopes that they would eventually be able to break out of their debt. So part of their coursework, they had modules that would address every question or like discomfort that came up. Um, So they would use words like suppressive and defiant if people said they weren't comfortable or, you know, were questioning how something happened. They would say, well, don't you think you're being defiant? Like you're just being a defiant person. When you say that, you don't, you know, really feel that way. You're being suppressive. You're being fucking negative. So they use those type of things to control everyone. So another tool they used was that on the last day of most of these courses that were like several days, they would have explorations of meaning. And also known as an EM. It's a one-on-one session. I think it was like in front of everyone, but it was like you and Nancy or you and like someone else who's high up. And they would talk about your issues and quote-unquote break your stimulus response. So cult specialist people were like, this was just their way to find out about your weaknesses, your secrets, your things that cause you pain so that they can weaponize it, use it against you later. So they would also occur, though, not just at the end of the session, but frequently whenever a member felt negatively about anything in their life. So, for example, it would be like, oh, like my boyfriend wants to have an open relationship, but I don't want to. And people in Nexium would be like, oh, you should have an EM so that you can get past that,
1: you know, Mm -hmm. and then the EM
0: would be like about how you're suppressive or like whatever the fuck and you need to you've been. Trained by society to feel negatively towards an open relationship, but, like, is that really how you feel? You know, just fucking with you. Left and right. One member claims that his Tourette's was cured by EMs and Nexium programming, so. Um, I
1: don't know how I feel about that. I I don't want to, like, deny someone's experience.
0: I know, I'm like, I'm glad that you got over your Tourette's, but, like, I don't know. Did you? Anyway so uh another feature of nexium that was for the real devoted motherfuckers was v week aka vanguard week aka keith's birthday week and it was celebrated by basically adult camp it was like at a ymca campground in new york and (laughs) it was just like a full week of i don't know nexium activities and dumb shit. And then it would end on Keith's birthday. And so on the last night, every, all the groups from like the different centers in the country, there was like one in um, Vancouver, I think, and like a few around America, um, one in Mexico. So all the centers would like send people to V Week. And so on the last day, each center would do a little performance for Keith's birthday. And it was, Basically just a very sad, sad, sad little man who needed everyone to celebrate his birthday. I was going to
1: say, you can tell this guy didn't have any friends in high school.
0: You can tell that he had a quite a sad childhood because he's like, his dream as an adult is to have summer camp where everyone is his friend and it's his fucking birthday party and everyone has to perform for him um, because he's the best. It's very sad. Yeah. So that's V-Week. Just had to throw that out there because it's, oh my God, the videos of it just make me want to die. And I'm not sure (laughs) this was, well, I guess it was just kind of all the time. A lot of the senior members and like people who are really devoted all lived in the same neighborhood in Albany. And as a result, they could basically like be called upon at any time by Keith. So he would host these hilarious midnight volleyball games.
1: Midnight volleyball.
0: He was obsessed with volleyball. And honestly, baby, the footage of this man playing volleyball, oh, my God, it's all I need in my life. He's got a sweatband. He's got long hair, sweatband, his little very hairy body. He's tiny. He's disgusting. But he would have these midnight volleyball games. And, um, you know, if you lived nearby, you could easily go. And he would do things like call people and ask them to go for a walk with him at three in the morning. Um, Of course, these were just ways to deprive people of sleep and make them more compliant. Yeah. So those were the kind of weird things that he was doing in his little community. Um, Some people who were apparently took Nexium classes at some point, although I cannot confirm. Rosario Dawson and Gerard Butler. No idea if those are true. Richard Dawson, who I think is the virgin guy virgin atlantic founder wait richard Richard branson Branson. no then i don't know who richard dawson is (laughs) and actually true because i saw their asses in the documentary members of the mexican first family yeah so it's like the president of mexico's like kids were in it and then of course the big big hitters were sarah and claire bronfman who were the heiresses are they canadian i thought they were like irish
1: well the bronfman family is uh is canadian
0: Oh, well, fucking A.
1: There's like a, like my alma mater, there's like a whole building named after them, the Brofman building.
0: What? I wonder if they'll change it now that these naughty girls are in trouble for being (laughs) little assholes. Um, But yes, they're the heiresses of the Seagrams' uh, booze fortune. Yeah. And they were so involved. They basically are the only reason that this cult lasted because they put in probably about $200 million into this cult. That is um, so much money. Yeah, and a lot of it was for legal fees because another way they kept people in the group was they would sue people. So if somebody left the group, they would sue them for libel or slander or what have you, and they would just like, go after you, and they had so much money from the Bronfmans that it was like nobody could really fight against that, so people, you know, stopped going against it. So That's now see um, Yeah. Uh, also, just another fun fact was that the cult managed to connect themselves to the Dalai Lama, but they basically had to pay him a million dollars to come and speak to their group for 90 minutes, and that was that. But
1: I really want to know what the Dalai Lama makes with that money. Like, does he donate it? Like,
0: I really Allegedly, so. he donates it. Yeah, that's what, like, his spokesperson is, like, oh, he donates it or, like, uses it for, like, you know, charitable needs at his discretion, so. Okay. But, yeah, not a lot is known about that, actually. So, you know, up to this point, the Nexium classes, they sound pretty uh, obnoxious and expensive, but nothing too wild. They had a class that was, like, it was called The Source, and it was led by Allison Mack, who was one of their pseudo famous people although i'm like i don't she's not fucking famous you guys i had no
1: idea who she fucking was like yeah. when people
0: were like oh my god like yeah
1: ne- this next same thing have you heard like this actress from smallville i'm like no one
0: knows who she is smallville is one of the worst tv shows i've ever seen in my life no one knows who she is she's like d-list actress so anyway yeah. but yeah people when they talk about this are like she's so famous i'm like she's really not no she's fine. really not but
1: this so made her famous
0: Yes, like... She is no longer yeah. the actress of Smallville. She's the actress
1: who yeah, became exactly. a nexium enforcer or whatever. Exactly.
0: So she would lead a little class that was, like, to help actors improve their skills. So they had these little, you know, little classes focused on specific things where people could go, and be like, oh, I want to improve this skill. Like, cool, cool, cool. I'll meet Allison Mac, the famous actress from Smallville, the trash TV show. But here we are. I wrote, where do it start getting dark (laughs) not really sure what i meant by that but that's what i wrote so i'll stand by it okay so two two groups in particular one is called j ness which don't know what the fuck that stands for it sounds like a birth control so naturally it was the women's group okay J the letter j n-e-s-s Janess. oh that means youth j-n-e-s-s like if you Is pronounce it, like supposed it? To have an apostrophe
1: no, no no but like just the way that you said it it's like phonetically no. how you say the word youth in French. like the Uh-oh. word jeunesse jeunesse <gasps> means youth so maybe they were trying to do something like that
0: they were they totally were because like nexium's missing a bunch of letters damn bb you're so smart I, <laughs> okay I, I, I total guess so jeunesse <laughs> is the women's mentorship group. So, you know, ostensibly it's women helping women, uh, you know, trying to empower each other and and become better business leaders and people. (laughs) But essentially their primary teaching was that men had more strength of character than women and women are, you know, game playing, silly, manipulative, deceitful, ass hose. when are we
1: getting uh like an all-female led cult where like men are you know what i mean where the belief is that yes. men are trash and like women are you know what i mean like where is that cult i'm on it
0: i'm in uh-huh i'm already in it <laughs> um did we just start a cult <laughs> I just
1: no because like, like i'm pro- so tired of these cults it's always yeah. the same goddamn thing and it's like you yeah. know i'm about to say something here i'm gonna make a lot of people unhappy all organized religion or cults, basically has the same message. At some point or another, the woman is inferior in one way or another. Mm-hmm. I am so sick of it. Okay, we're going to start our own cult. Women are clearly... Also, our
0: cult is going to be way more fucking organized. Baby, this... And this is this is why there's never been one of these cults, because women don't do this kind of shit. Like- True.
1: We don't... We're not ego fucking maniacs. Like, we don't need to, like... Take our deepest wound and then,
0: like, suck everyone into that wound. Yeah, I feel like cults are just, uh, essentially, the nub and thrust of a cult is a penis. It's all about a penis. So, you know, the women who are in this cult are there because a penis put them there. It's not, you know what I mean? Like, women would start a group. It would never get to a cult level because women are never going to be like, oh, my God, you know what I really need to do in this cult? manipulate the other women so that I can have sex with them whenever I want (laughs) like that's never gonna happen
1: I feel like if if women tried to start a cult it would just become a really healthy support group it would just
0: be nice because (laughs) you want some tea do you want to talk about your feelings you want some tea I don't want to coerce you into sexual activity (laughs) um and that's because this jeunesse shit it came from Keith, like Even though it was being led by Nancy and, you know, it's women for women or whatever. Keith is the one who's saying, like, actually, women are game playing whores. And we (laughs) need to teach them that. And Nancy's like, "Okay, Keith, you got it. So so that was Janice. Nancy, you dumb bitch. Right, Nancy, you dumb bitch. What is wrong with this woman? Oh, she's constipated. That's not an excuse. (laughs) That is it's your problem, but it's your responsibility, Nancy. True. Now we're all suffering. So, B.B., you won't be surprised to hear that when Jeunesse was formed, the men were very jealous. And they said, how come the women get their own group? We want a man group. I've heard that before. <laughs> right? Fuck. Mm. So, so, naturally, the Society of Protectors, also known as SOP, was formed.
1: Mm. It should have been, now, <laughs> It should have been P.O.S.,
0: oh my god I wish so Mm. POS was formed (laughs) and uh basically the clips that I viewed in these documentaries the gist of this group was that men want to fuck everything and that's okay so that was sort of like the basis of Keith's teaching he was like we're men we want to fuck everything we want to fuck that chair. We want to fuck that bird over there. And everyone's like, totally. He's like, this is our impulse. Because we're men. with we penises. You know, men have such, like,
1: low standards for themselves. It's actually, like, kind of sad.
0: I know. Don't fuck a chair. You're better than that.
1: You're better than that. And you can do more with your life than just fuck things. Yeah,
0: you can. Yes, oh, you can. See? All the men Look, listening to us. Our cult is already supportive of men. God damn it. Um, us <laughs> No, this cult's awesome. I was going to say it sucks, but I love it. (laughs) So, so yeah. So, that was the gist, is that men have stronger character and are stronger than women and are here to protect women and also fuck everything because that's just their need and that's okay. So, we're all good with that. Now, one thing that I saw was they did a little joint, a joint SOP Jeunesse group. So, they brought Mm -hmm. the women in and... It was basically, like, a verbal abuse session where the men would be like, oh, hi, you're wearing a low-cut top? That's because you're desperate and want everyone to look at your tits. And the women would just be like, yep, you must be right. And, like, this was the dynamic that was playing out. They were like, you're a princess. You're acting like a real princess right now because you don't want to, like do a, you know, a fake like rape scene with me. That's because you're a princess and you're weak. So now you have to wear a tiara and also your tits are out because you're slut. Like just the most demeaning shit. But the women by that point, you know, they're already bought into this. They also have Keith on the other hand being like, actually women are better than men, but society has made you into princesses who are weak. So you need to break out of that in order to like, become better than men so he framed it in this way where they felt they deserved this degradation because it was helping them build characters actually stupid ass shit
1: oh yeah this is classic yeah
0: so this is where we're at these two groups exist they're fucking ridiculous and they are really showing keith's true colors to me the viewer at this time (laughs) he actually said this on one of these documentaries and i just have to say it because it's fucking uh, he, he likes to talk a lot about how rape is just a point of view and not a real thing. Um, what a fucking maniac. Child abuse isn't abuse if the child is fine with it and society is the one telling them it's abuse. And that's the real, the real abuse right there is that you're saying, Child, you just enjoyed having sex with an adult. But society says you can't. And now you feel abused. Oh
1: my god! That was his
0: perspective. It's disgusting.
1: It's disgusting.
0: He actually said this. uh, Like, uh, you don't think anyone would rape a baby? I can take a baby and make it a baby that's very rapable. What? Don't even, I don't even know.
1: What does that even mean? I don't want to know. I don't want to know what that means. It doesn't fucking mean
0: anything. My note after it was just all caps what. Exactly how you just said it. Um... Who the fuck knows? He's crazy. Wait,
1: when did he say this? Like at, at his trial?
0: No, no. It was uh, in one of his SOP Society of Protectors things. So Jeez. he's, you know, sitting there. He's talking with all the guys. He's like, "We're all men. We have dicks, and we like to have sex with things. What about babies? Why don't we have sex with babies? Oh, just my. think about it. It's a perspective thing. It's a societal thing. Like that's the type of shit he was saying.
1: Okay, so he's a maniac
0: yeah he's disgusting like
1: he's like okay he's a
0: full pervert okay so so that's where we're at we've got these two groups and this isn't even like the worst you know (sighs) so now let's get to the seedy seedy underbelly of nexium lauren salzman who is nancy's daughter and because nancy is a great mom she brought her daughter into this cult Mm -hmm. and uh you know lauren's one of like the upper echelon women in this cult along with allison mac and they formed their own society Secret Society, no involvement with Keith, women only mentorship group. Super serious, only for the most hardcore Nexian women. Um, so Lauren Salzman, I think was the first person to be in this group. And then she invited Allison Mack, and then Allison invited a couple other people, and then those people invited people. So it's a little mini pyramid scheme. Yeah. Um, but the point of this scheme is not to make money. Uh, this is called DOS, and that stands for Dominus Obsequious Sororium. Honestly, can't remember what that means exactly, but it's something like... It's like dominating women. Servant, yeah. Yeah. or sisterhood. or Sisterhood, yeah. Yeah. So, um, now everyone who's invited to this, it's like super secret. Don't tell anybody. Keith doesn't know about it. He's not involved. It's just for us to be badass bitches together. But if you want to join... You have to give a lifetime commitment. You cannot ever leave it. And you have to be completely obedient to the person who's inviting you. And the person who invites you is your master and you are their slave. And you have to use that terminology when you interact.
1: There's so many red flags. It's like if anybody if anybody asks you to be in a like lifetime thing, like subscription, Mm -hmm. just like red I mean. Okay, well, maybe well, marriage is kind of part of this. <laughs> like, <I don't>
0: know. <laughs> if anyone asks you to commit to them for the rest of their life, that's a red flag, and you need to get out of there, BB. You're in a cult. Call your dad.
1: Oh my god, I'm in a cult.
0: Oh god. Well, at least my cult has a dog now. So. So DOS. Yeah. So Allison Mack is reaching out to these other women who are her friends. They've been in this forever together. So. She says, join me. We're going to do cool shit together. We're going to be there for each other and love life. Sisterhood of the traveling pants, <laughs> etc. But you have to commit for life. You have to do everything I say. And you have to provide collateral to even get, get in the door. Uh, collateral could be a nudie, a family secret, um, a letter that says something fucked up, a video of your boobs, um, pictures of your butthole, like a bunch of different stuff. Wow. That's really terrible. And I'm sure there's more, <laughs> <laughs> but it started out at a low level. So they'd be like, oh, just send me like a picture of you topless with your face in it. It's like not that big of a deal, but like you don't really want people to see it, you know, um, but that would escalate. And over the course of being in DOS, you had to provide more and more collateral. Of course. So they would ask you for something else and then something else and then something else. They would ask pictures of your vagina with your face in it, which that doesn't sound easy to be. No,
1: it does not. It actually sounds kind of funny.
0: (laughs) I know, right? I'm like picturing that. I'm like, okay, I've got 19 (laughs) chins. Like I've got gym socks on and one foot is behind my ear. That is very sexy. But... (laughs) You know, it's ridiculous. Uh So you had to keep providing collateral. And so they got all, they just blackmailed the shit out of these women. Naked pictures of them, secrets about their family. People started making shit up because they literally had nothing else to share. Because they're like pretty regular dagular people. Yeah. So one woman was like, I made up a story that my husband was beating me. Because I didn't know what else to do. And I had to say something bad about someone. So I fucking made it up. It's not true. So So, like, that's the level that, that these women were, were going to. Now, the part of this master slave dynamic was the slave had to ask the master for permission to do literally anything. If they wanted to travel, if they wanted to date somebody, if they wanted to eat, they had to send their master a picture of their food and say, can I eat this? They had to report on their calories. They were forced to go on super low calorie diets. So all these women were like twigs. They were so unhealthy because they said weight loss was part of building character. They were expected to respond. I know, right? Ugh. I'm like, <laughs> they they were expected to respond. So they would get these messages from their master at like, you know, two in the morning, three in the morning. And it w- they would just have to respond immediately, like within one minute window and just say ready. And that was like all it is. So just again, sleep deprivation, making sure that they were never resting, never relaxed. Networkful. I mean, it's just
1: an abusive relationship, but mm-hmm. just like yeah, a friendship, exactly. you know, friendship and fr- mm-hmm. you know, air quotes. Yep. Yeah,
0: for character building, blah, blah, blah. So uh, they would whip people oh if my God. they, yeah, if they didn't like, you know, if they ate something they weren't supposed to eat or if they went out when they weren't supposed to go out. Uh, they would make them stand in the snow without shoes on. They would not let them eat. But the real kicker and the real jumping off point for all this shit going down was the branding mm. so to join you had to provide collateral you had to consent to this obedient lifetime relationship but you also had to receive a brand which by the way was done with a cauterizing pen so oh. it wasn't even like a brand like hot iron one and done you had to lay there while a doctor a woman who was actually a doctor drew a brand on you with a cauterizing pen Right next to your vagina.
1: That's... Oh, God.
0: And it was ugly. Oh, no. And it took everyone a fucking while to figure out that it was a symbol combining Allison Mack and Keith Raniere's initials. And that's where the shoe kind of dropped for everybody. Women started to figure out that Keith actually was involved. So part of... After the branding, like part of the escalation of this group was that the masters would go to their slave and tell them you have to seduce keith and you have to send me a picture that he took of you naked to prove that you did it and most people in the cult are of the mind that keith was actually um celibate so oh that's why but he he was not but he pretended to be and only like the closest inner circle were, like, part of his rotation, basically, so. But that
1: totally goes against his teachings of, like, we're men, we should be able to, like, fuck everything.
0: Yeah, but he's, like, you know, the good one. Yeah, because he's he's above it all. He's like, I'm so smart, I can control it, I'm celibate as fuck, but in reality, he was banging, like, every woman in his inner circle and using DOS to add more and younger women to to his group. Women were were being told, not asked, told, you have to go to Keith and seduce him and you have to send me a picture as proof. What happened with DOS was one woman who was in it, the woman who made up her husband abusing her, got this fucking brand and her husband obviously saw it and was like, what is on you? And that's when shit really hit the fan. So her husband freaked out, she freaked out. And additionally, uh, there was like a a blog that was reporting, on, like, the inner workings of this cult. And that was the Frank report that I told you I got info from. It's run by an investigative journalist named Frank... Fuck, I didn't write his name down. Damn it. I wrote Frank XX. Gah. We love well, you, Frank. I think, I think it's <laughs> yes. Frank... It's like Frank Parlano, I think. But okay. I forgot to write it. People were leaking information to him. He was writing articles about it, and those articles were spreading around Nexium. So people who had no idea about DOS were learning about DOS. Oh. And this woman who had been branded ultimately like was interviewed in the New York times. And this was in 2017. And so that article really like opened the floodgates and started the investigation. But even before that article, this woman and people around her had already asked the state of New York to investigate the cult. So once the article came out, which revealed everything about DOS and this, basically that Nexium at its core was just a sex cult so that Keith could have sex with whoever he wanted whether or not they were interested members started getting really really freaked out and leaving in there was a mass exodus of nexium members they were just like get me the fuck away from this pervert so 2017 when this stuff starts coming out keith fled naturally to mexico and (laughs) i just love this so much okay so he flees to mexico the US attorneys get the FBI involved and the FBI in turn gets uh, the Mexican authorities on board to locate Keith if they can. They know he's in Mexico, but they don't know where. So they need to find him and, and arrest him. So Keith, in his infinite wisdom, makes his level one slaves. So those are the women who are like the highest up masters in the DOS system. So Laura Salzman, uh, Allison Mack, um, some other chick, whatever. So the level one slaves, he makes them come to Mexico because he needs some type of group blow job. Oh and my I honestly god. can't remember the exact details around that, but he was like, I need you to come here and I'll give me a blow job as a group. So they went Oh my and god! and one of them, and I'm convinced she did this on purpose, posted a picture on her Instagram in front of a famous landmark near Puerto Vallarta. So the FBI was like, boom, got him, and were able to find him.
1: Okay. Yeah, she <laughs> probably did that. Yeah. I just
0: love the idea that he needed that group blowjob so badly that he got his ass arrested. <laughs> so the Federales went in to his little compound he was living in with fucking machine guns. They treated it like it was a mob that they were going in to, like, break up. Good. Um. They, like, separated everyone. They were, like, fucking hardcore machine guns. They found him hiding in a closet, by the way. Just love that. Of course. Um. And so he was deported. And he was uh, extradited to Brooklyn, ultimately. And, oh, my God. That was in 2018. In February of 2018. So he was in Mexico for about three months before he was caught. So Mr. Ranieri and five of his closest friends... Nancy Salzman, Claire Bromfman, Allison Mack, Lauren Salzman, and this chick Kathy Russell were all uh, charged with racketeering conspiracy, um, a bunch of other shit, identity theft, extortion, forced labor, wow. et cetera, et cetera. So let's go through them. Allison Mack, the famous Allison Mack, <laughs> a first line master in DOS. <sighs> I can't believe she branded other women with her initials. What a bitch. Yeah. Pleaded guilty to racketeering and racketeering conspiracy, and as a result, plea deal, the prosecutors dropped the charges of sex trafficking and conspiracy to commit sex trafficking and forced labor because her slaves in DOS- She was forcing them to... She was basically trafficking them to Keith.
1: Yeah, she was.
0: And forced labor, they they just had to do a ton of, like, bullshit. So, yes. I mean, she said it herself. She said they were slaves. So, that's where the sex trafficking comes in. Nancy Salzman was charged with identity theft and altering records to influence the outcome of a lawsuit. Uh, And she pleaded guilty to racketeering conspiracy. Lauren Salzman, her poor fucking daughter... I don't feel bad for her. (laughs) I know. Another first line master in DOS pleaded guilty to racketeering and racketeering conspiracy. And then Kathy Russell, who I guess was the bookkeeper, pleaded guilty to one count of visa fraud. So I'm assuming she made him a fake visa so we go somewhere. I don't fucking know. Uh, (laughs) Claire Bronfman pleaded guilty to two charges related to identity theft and immigration fraud. And she, I think she's the only one besides Keith who's been sentenced because of COVID um, delaying shit. Claire Bromfman got 81 months in prison. Wow. Uh, she was convicted of conspiracy to conceal and harbor aliens for financial gain and fraudulent use of personal identification information. Wow. Yes. So I think, let me see, Nancy faces up to 20 years, Kathy Russell faces up to 10 years, uh, and I think Allison and Lauren also face up to 20 years in prison, but none have been sentenced. And Claire got almost seven years so that sucks for her now <laughs> also actually just want to give one other little quick thing uh regarding claire's charge conspiracy to conceal and harbor aliens daniela was a former sex partner of keith and she was an illegal immigrant she told him that she had a crush on someone and he told her she had to be confined to a townhouse as penance And she did not leave that house for two years. So she was imprisoned for two years by Keith. And I guess they told her if she tried to leave, they would like, you know, call like the ice or whatever. Or Or like one thing said they would drop her off in Mexico without any documentation and just be like, fuck you. Good luck. So who knows? Um, But I'm guessing that was where the charge came from. So Keith's trial lasted six weeks in total. And in June of 2019, he was convicted after only a half day of (laughs) deliberation. I know,
1: right? Six
0: weeks, done in six hours, baby. Yep, that's how it's done. He's convicted of racketeering, racketeering conspiracy, sex trafficking, attempted sex trafficking, sex trafficking conspiracy, forced labor conspiracy, and wire fraud conspiracy. He was also fined $1.7 million dollars. At the sentencing hearing, the court heard victim impact statements from 15 individuals, including a, a woman with a pseudonym Camilla, a victim who said she was sexually exploited by Keith Raniere when she was 15.
1: Oh my God.
0: Um, There will be a hearing on victim restitution later on. Um and okay. Keith was sentenced to 120 years. Nice. nice. The judge was like, yeah you're getting the maximum for literally everything possible you fucking piece of trash so yeah he's in prison I ain't never coming out I mean
1: do you think he'll get killed in prison
0: no I think he'll start his own prison cult (laughs) (laughs) I do I think he'll be like oh no like yeah I do there are no women there no but there were men in this dude like half of these women had husbands who were in Nexium, and the husbands were in sons of anarchy or whatever the men's group was <laughs> like one of the stories that this chick told so if if you have an opportunity like definitely watch the hbo documentary because it's all told by india oxenberg who was in the cult for like s- six years or something Wow. and her mom basically rescued her and it's fucking crazy but one of the things she says is she was forcibly moved to albany because of this dos relationship that she was in They were like, you have to move to Albany if you can't do like X, Y, and Z. And she didn't do it. It was, I think they were like, you have to lose weight. And she didn't. So she had to move from California to Albany. She got there and she's staying with this woman and her husband, Bonnie and her husband, Mark. And Bonnie was sleeping on the floor in a dog bed. And she was like, hey, dude, why are you sleeping on the floor? And she was like, oh, it's a, you know, um, penance that I have to do, like, for something that I, I said to Mark or something. So like, what the fuck? yeah, so he could control the men too by, you know, talking about babies and, and penises and just, <sighs> anyway, I think Ugh. he'll have a new cult in prison because I do think he's very good manipulator like Rock. He's definitely like, yeah, sure. He probably doesn't have the real highest IQ in the world, but he's a smart guy. So, I think he'll fuck some shit up in prison. Yeah. And just quickly, uh, where are they now? On a couple people I didn't really mention, but I just saw this and I. So, Sarah, who is the girl who got branded, and her husband who saw the brand and lost his goddamn mind. His name is Anthony, but for some reason, his nickname is Nippy. Mm. Sarah and Nippy started their own podcast, and it's called A Little Bit Colty. <laughs> So that's appropriate on every level. Um, Bonnie, the woman who slept in the dog bed. She, I guess, was also famous. There's like a handful of of super D-list actors and actresses in this cult. So Bonnie was one of them. I guess she was in a Star Wars at some point. Fucking know. Uh, She's now been cast in a Star Wars TV show about Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then India Oxenberg, who I mentioned, is getting a fuck ton of therapy and made her own hbo documentary which i highly recommend if only to see her grandmother who is royalty and says some hilarious shit about keith so amazing so i'm sorry that was unbelievably long i left out so much shit everyone go watch all of these shows uh oh wait can i say one more thing of course last thing okay in 2009 keith co-authored a book with some lady. The Dalai Lama wrote the foreword.
1: Fuck that.
0: It's called The Sphinx and Thalsepia. I couldn't find any information about the content, but it has a single four-star review on Amazon, (laughs) and the review's title is so powerful. And the content is I have never read this book, but have heard about it, and it sounds fascinating. (laughs) Four stars. That's... (laughs) Next <laughs> The cult started by <laughs> Keith Raniere, the world's biggest asshole. Ass I, I cannot wait to do this Instagram post because the man's haircuts don't quit. And I can't wait to just, it's just going to be 18 pictures of his different hairstyles. Ugh.
1: Ugh. Oh my God. Okay. I, ugh.
0: did you guys make it? Hey, if you're still listening, I'm proud of you. Let's end this. Yeah, let's so end that people this. People can live their lives. Everyone wow i'm really glad that we got got that done we've been talking about doing a cults episode and just so much there's so much to know and so much to tell yeah about these crazy ass motherfuckers
1: we could do um, another episode on, just do different there's so many calls there's so many to choose from. you know
0: what we should do we should end this season by doing an episode on our newly formed cult
1: i agree and, then it, and then
0: it was called women don't and then I think you just trailed off
1: oh no, I don't think I named it I was just <laughs> I was oh I thought you were like,
0: going for I thought you were going for a name but I guess we were just saying a sentence that's cool yeah um you <laughs> can always name it one of my favorite jokes from Portlandia women and women first the bookstore love it so yeah I propose that but anyway I hope that everyone who made it this far enjoyed this episode and uh please check out seduced on HBO the vow on stars that's check safe. out our
1: instagram page
0: our own instagram <laughs> why are you on hbo look at our instagram if you need to be entertained yeah that's true um two countries pod
1: yeah that's our instagram. handle two countries pod and um, our website two countries where you can donate if you feel like it or just learn a little right. bit more about us
0: that's right if you want to uh give us money because you know how much energy we expended on this crazy ass episode that's
1: true. Really cool. Long time in the making. But also if you just want to, you know, download, subscribe, rate us mm-hmm. by star, leave us a review, that's good too. We'll take hey, it.
0: Even if you don't listen, just subscribe. If you're only listening to the last ten seconds of this episode because you're weird, subscribe.
1: Tell your friends about us.
0: Tell your friends about us. Join our cult. Join our cult. It's women only, sorry. Um <laughs> But eventually we'll let men in because we're nice and supporting women. God God damn it. All right. Listen, guys, (laughs) don't hate us. We love you. Stop. Fine. All right. Good night, everybody. You've joined the cult of my catchphrase. Mm.